0: Well welcome everybody to Rise Church, so glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron, I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife Erica and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're watching us for the very first time online or if you're a guest with us for the first time uh, in here. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience, and my hope and my prayer is that you would find home here and find a spiritual family, and if you're watching online, we have hundreds of do that all throughout our country, and honestly, the world. We've been uh, finding we have some international watchers and listeners, and it's been really neat to kind of just see uh, the reach of our church uh, through the digital world, and so we're just so glad that you're with us, Um, and we are uh, here on Easter weekend, specifically Easter Sunday today, and uh, we're so glad you're part of the third of five services we're doing all weekend long. And uh, yeah, give yourselves a hand clap. You made it. You made it to church on Sunday morning. And... and I believe God's going to speak to us today. If you have your Bibles, uh, John chapter 14 is where we're going to be, John chapter number 14. And if not, we're going to put it up on the screen so you guys are able to watch it. You can also look at the YouVersion Bible app. It'll actually give you a way for you to kind of see the scriptures and see my notes of where I'm going. But uh, today we get to celebrate uh, not just the death, but the resurrection of our Savior of Jesus Christ. And so if you're not a Christian in here, you're in the right place. If you maybe have never even considered God or considered church or maybe Christian. Christianity. I want to maybe I'll, I'll, for for a moment, if I could ask you, I'd love for you just to humor me. Consider the the message of Jesus today, maybe in a way you've never heard it before, because I might give you a different angle to look at it. I know this that sometimes if you don't see things right, you, you can you can miss what really God has for you. So I say, just consider it today. So John chapter fourteen. If you don't know anything about the Bible or church, um, the, the Bible is broken up. It's kind of a confusing book. So if you don't know how it's worked, it you know it's it could be confusing. And so um, the, the first part of the Bible is what people call the. Old Testament, the, the kind of the latter third part of the Bible is what they call uh, the New Testament, and the start of the New Testament. There's four books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now these are all what we call Gospels, or they're the life of Jesus. They're stories about Jesus Christ and his life. It's kind of a biography of his life and what it was like when he was born, what he, how he grew up, and really kind of centers on the ministry of Jesus. He lived thirty year, thirty three years. He had a three year ministry from thirty years old to thirty three, and in John chapter 14, you see Jesus coming to the end of his ministry and he's in this moment, a specific place where he's talking to his disciples, those that are closest to him. He's having dinner. How many of y'all like to eat? Jesus loves to feed and eat. Pe- I love it, I love We get to eat. And so he loves to feed people and he loves to eat good food. That's why I like being a Christian because every time we go do something with Jesus, there's food involved. And so Jesus is sitting down and he's having dinner with his disciples and he starts off by uh, doing unique things. He starts to wash the feet of his disciples to prove and to show, hey, I come to turn the kingdoms of the world upside down, that the greatest in among us will be servants among you. And so he teaches people how to serve by washing feet. And then he goes on to predict some um, people who might betray him that were closest to you. How many of y'all have had that happen to you before you in your life? Were you, someone you thought you would never, never turn their back on, you did. Anybody else but me? Come on, anybody? All right. So we have some people. So he he, he has this moment of betrayal, he highlights it, and then he gets to this unique part of scripture where he lets them know that he's done and his time is coming to an end and his followers are starting to feel worried and stressed out and full of anxiety. They don't know what's going to happen in their world. And he starts off verse one with saying, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is also there is more than enough room in my father's Home, If there were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come to you and get you so that you always be with me where I am. And he says in verse four, and you know the way where I'm going. And I like what Thomas says. He's kind of one of the disciples. And he says, well, no, Jesus, we don't know. We don't know. Where you're going. In fact, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus does something. He does this kind of Jesus. I call it a Jesus juke. You know, he kind of has this fun with his disciples. And he says, actually, you do. He says, "Um, you're looking at him. I am. The way. So Thomas says, I don't know the way. And he says, yes, you do. You're you're looking at I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the father except through Jesus. Through me Now, what's interesting about being a pastor, I've been doing this for almost two decades now, but preaching a lot of Easter's. And every Easter is the same message. And I try to think something unique to tell you about how God loves you and about how sinful we are and about how amazing God is and how Jesus comes in the form of uh, of a man and lives a sinless life. And he changes all of human history and does um, something amazing. He not only dies, but then he rises again. No other God can claim that. Okay. So he comes down and he makes the this bridge from our sinfulness to God's holiness, and now the way God sees us is not through our own sin, but God's and Jesus' perfection. Come on, isn't that good? That's the gospel message. There you go. I gave you the thesis of today, all right? I gave you the end of the story at the beginning of the message. Isn't that good? You're worth your price of admission, okay? So I've been preaching that for many, many years. Here's the problem. Here's where I get it wrong sometimes. Here's where some pastors get it wrong sometimes, is we think that's what it, that's, that was the only thing it did. We we, we preach great messages on the gospel of Jesus Christ getting us to heaven. Yet Jesus was bringing more than just eternity with him one day. He wasn't just preaching heaven after we die. He was trying to get his disciples and his followers. Go look at it. He uses language like the kingdom of heaven is like What he wasn't, it's kind of mean, right? If you were walking around and you were God and you were like, look, heaven's going to be amazing. You can't have it, but it's awesome. Like, it's going to be amazing. One day you're going to, I mean, you're just going to have to deal with life right now. There's no hope right now. Don't make, you just hang on right now. But one day it's going to be amazing. That kind of seems a little mean. Jesus wasn't saying that. He was saying, look, it's going to be awesome. And the streets are paved with gold. And you can have as many cookies as you want because there ain't no calories in heaven. Come on, somebody. And so he's like, you're going to have a great time. The only problem, here's what Jesus you, you can also have a little bit of heaven right now. So, so the gospel is not just heaven one day. The gospel is heaven now. In fact, Philip, one of the disciples, says this in verse 8. He says, Lord... Show us the Father, okay? He wasn't saying show us the Father so that we could see and we, so we can go to heaven right now. He was saying show us the Father, and then we're going to be satisfied now. Everybody say now. Because yeah. I've noticed that if you give your life... Okay, if you're not a Christian in here, here's what's interesting about becoming a Christian. When you give your life to Christ, at the end of the service, spoiler alert, I'm going to give you an opportunity to lift your hand and enter into a relationship with God. Here's what's probably not going to happen. I can't say won't happen because who knows? God can do anything. But I, since I've known and been a pastor... I've noticed that when people give their life to Christ, what doesn't tend to happen is the Star Trek beam that we all want, right, to come down into us, and then we disappear into heaven the moment we give our lives to Jesus. For some reason, we're stuck on this earth. (laughs) For some reason, I have to continue to drive on 1604 and argue with people in traffic. For some reason, i got to still go to H-E-B with everybody and their mama. At 1030 at night with all the kids, I'm like, why are your kids not? Oh, they need to be in bed like and you're out here buying cereal. You know what I'm saying? Right. Come on. I'm not the only person who's confused by that. That We have to live in this world. And Philip is addressing an issue He's saying. I need some satisfaction right now. Because I'm I got I don't got peace. I got worry. I don't got joy. I got anxiety. I can't, he sound like that song, like, I can't get, no, right? He's like, you know what I'm talking, right? Y'all know, t- y'all like, can we know that in church? Yeah, you okay. I know we listen to it. Can't get no, what is it? Satisfaction, that's Philip's words. He says, what do we do now, God? What do we do now? And Jesus was addressing the answer. I have a a a wonderful family, my wife and I. We have uh, five young boys, all under the age of 13. I brought a picture just to show you guys uh, my children, and um, I have twin 13 year olds. I don't know what it's like to have one, y'all. You for, for those of you who like started, you know, y'all did the normal thing one at a time. I heard that's amazing. Like, is it cool? Because <laughs> I don't know what it's like to have one kid. And and so we had twins right away, and then, you know, we, so 13, 10, 7, and 4, and they're all amazing. But what's, funny, what's weird about my family is that. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of testosterone in our house, right? There's boys running around everywhere. There's always a Nerf gun war going on, you know? And you got to be careful because I'll be sitting on the couch and, you know, you, you, you'll you'll get hit by one if you're not careful. And, um, and and what I have to do is give my kids clear rules about our home so that our life doesn't end in chaos, right? Parents, come on. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know, you know It's like you give them an inch, they'll take a mile, and somebody's going to get tied up and be in a closet somewhere. You're like, where do they go? Where, where are these... Where are these children? And um, I realized that if I give my kids too many rules, they cannot... Follow all of them, and so I, you know, I consulted some books. I talked to my pastors. I went to talk to my counselor. I'm like, how do I get control of, of my kids? And he said, you you got to give them just just a couple, just just give them some big, give them the big the big rules. Give them a couple of big ones that if they just get this right, everything else will be settled. I said, all right. So we settled on two rules in our family. I'll give them to you. These are not prescriptive. These are descriptive. I'm not saying this needs to be in your house, okay? I'm just saying this is our house, okay? All right, is that all right? So and so, I, my first rule is uh, number one is uh, you, you do not disrespect mom. That's that's the number one rule, right? Come on, ladies, y'all Come on, mamas, y'all know out there. You're like, that's good, amen. That's where you can amen. You can say something. It's okay. You know, we, we can say stuff in church. And so, so like, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's good, pastor. Because here's why. Um, I don't spend the major. My wife spends the majority of time with them, because I go to the, you know, my coffee shop or I go to meet people or I'm out of the house. And so they're they're with my wife torturing her most hours of the day. And so when I come home, I don't want to come home to a wife who's who's lost it, right? She's like, you gotta take your kid. How many of y'all know that? Like, you know, they're not her kids. When they have lost it, they're my kids. And so we, I said, you do not disrespect mom. The second rule is is you, uh, is you don't lie. Because when you lie, you break down trust. And only good relationships are all built on one word. It's called trust. Yeah. So we, we kind of talked these two rules. And I said, if you get this. So I told him after this. I said, if you get this right, settle everything else. I said, I'll have grace for most everything. I said, you can do most anything to me. I, I'm, I'm a man. You want to wrestle with somebody? Come on. You know, like, let us go. But but. But if you get these wrong, this is where we this is where we, we're going to have some issues, son. You hear what I'm saying? And they're like, yes, daddy. I said, All right. Jesus was saying, if you worship. Me and you settle what you worship and you get what you worship right, it'll settle everything else. Because because if you worship the wrong thing, it'll bring you the wrong thing. If you elevate even a good thing, come on, y'all into a God thing it becomes the wrong thing come on and so what he was saying is he's saying I'm trying to give you the answer to the test I am the way Jesus is the way and if you put something other than Jesus in the spot of Jesus it does not bring what only Jesus can bring Jesus brings life everything else brings death elevated to his level and when you worship a false god, it's called one thing—an idol. Now, the moment I said idol, here's what's funny: most of us don't think we worship idols. Most of us think, if you hear the word idol, you think uh, uh, we think Indiana Jones, right? The, the, we think uh, uh, the, the golden monkey somewhere in a cave, and it's like you have to—you're seeing him, right? You already remember. You see some, or maybe you, you think of an indigenous tribe somewhere who doesn't have technology, who doesn't know any better, who has no information to them, and you you look at them and. We judge, you know, we do, we judge them. we say, how could you ever worship something and look to something for everything that you need when only God can give it to you? How could you stare and worship and give all that you are and how could you look at it and serve it and you push the buttons and you ask it for things and it talks back to you? how do you do that? And we judge them. And, and, and so so for us, you know what idols really are? Idols are anything we put in the place of God that it's anything that we seek to give you that you you seek to give you that only God can. I'll give you a couple just so you so we're all on the same page. Is that OK, these are not your addictions. These are not your idols. These are my idols. Somebody else's church's idols. This is none of you guys. OK, you're off the hook. I'll just give you a couple of them. I was standing in a store the other day and um and I was I was watching this lady and she was like she was stand we were all standing around the um the, uh, the the barista, I guess that's what you call them at Starbucks, the barista and we had mobile ordered because you can't go inside any place anymore. Come on, I want life to come back to normal. And so I'm um, like, we're standing around and I don't think any of them back there know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, y'all making coffee? Are you talking? What's going on back there? I always think that, you know, and it's probably not true, but I always think that they're ignoring me. Anybody else think like, like y'all, y'all ignoring me? I'm right here! You know, so anyway, so this lady walks in, she busts the door open and she starts like, hey y'all, I need to get my coffee because I'm a I'm gonna lose it if I don't get my coffee. Like y'all don't understand. My sanity's with my coffee. Now I'm judging her on the ins on the outside, right? I'm like, what's this? You know we're all doing that, right? We all look from that like I don't know what this lady's doing, but on the inside I'm like, I feel you girl. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Y'all gonna get my coffee. Get my coffee too. Right? Because we say, we say, what we say is if we get our coffee, how many of y'all, come on, like, we all, y'all ever seen that, uh, you know, I'm a good person, but coffee first, right, or something like that. You see those t-shirts, it's all fun in Target, you know, and it's like, and it's like, you know, you're, 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 but, but you look to your, co- how many of y'all ever said that, like, if I, when I just get my coffee, I'll be okay? Okay, good, we got a couple of people telling the truth in here, all right. Um, uh, or, 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 you know, what's interesting is like, um. You know, have you ever seen a romantic comedy recently? What's interesting about rom-com, anybody rom-com flow out here? Come on, everybody. Y'all, y'all, yeah, you know, you, you love all the, you know, it's always a classic story. But at one point in every romantic comedy, someone gets dumped. Right? You got to have the tension of someone not being loved. You loved them and then they dumped you. And then now you go home. They always go home, right? And they put on their PJs. They put on their sweats, the things that stretch, you know, that you put on the the, uh, the Snuggie, right? You put it all on, you get under a blanket, you get you some Chunky Monkey, and you just start eating. And then you realize they didn't give you enough. They gave you the small box and you go back to the freezer and you get the other one. How many of y'all ever like ate these and you're like, this is not a lot of calories. There's not very much in it. I can go and eat a few of these and it'll be OK. And by the time you're done, come on, what do they even call it? They call they have a whole brand and category of food called comfort food so that it makes you feel good and you're trying to find peace and you're trying to find comfort from something that doesn't ever seem to bring have you ever noticed you don't feel good after you eat the whole pint because you went to something that you thought would bring you only what God could maybe it's a, um your family I saw this in the other day that you maybe have loved ones and you look to them, you look to your wife or your husband for your love, for your security, for your kindness, for your for your come on, for your hope, for your you're trying to make sure that if you if your wife is there, then you're OK. And if your husband's there and you're OK, if they treat you right, you're OK. But when things are wrong, you go down in flames. How many of y'all have seen that family? It's not you, but you know the other family. You know the family we're talking about. The other family who lifts their kids up so much, they elevate their children to godlike status in their life, and their whole world has been world is circled around. And you can tell because they don't ever go to church, and they don't ever go out to places, and they don't ever go. All they do is spend their time ushering and chauffeuring their kid to their next thing all day long. None of you guys. No, I get it. None of you guys. It's all good but other people and when their kids don't act the way they should act come on when she brings home that guy you're like how on earth did you choose him <laughs> and they and she just come on your kids failed you or or maybe the worst in our day and age you know you know this idea of money i was talking to somebody the other day and they were like well you know pastor And they started. You ever talk to somebody who's trying to quote scripture? They don't really ever read the Bible. They've never read the Bible, but they think they heard it somewhere and it sounded really good. And they're like, well, you know, Pastor, money's the root of all evil. I said, where'd you hear that? She goes, well, you should know it's in the Bible. I said, oh, that ain't in the Bible. The love of money is in the Bible. There's the root of all evil. The love of it when you elevate it to a level that it's not supposed to be. When you put it in your as God in your life, when your whole life and your sanity is based on whether or not you have money in your bank account. You ever met those people? You ever met me? It's like, when I have money, I'm good. When I ain't got no money, I'm not good. Anybody else? When, I, when, my, when my boss is going, when my job, my career, come on. When the economy is good, and when the economy seems like it's what it is at this point in all, all of life, we ain't good when it's elevated to the wrong position. These are not bad things, these are good things, elevated to God things that are now no longer good things. And what's good is what's interesting here's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, Idols only bring death because they cannot give you what only God can. Right. Yeah. Right. So, what do you do? Maybe that's you in here. I'm not talking to the people who've got it all put together today for Easter. I know you got your Sunday best on. I did the best I could today. My wife, trust me. But, but but maybe I'm talking to the people in here, and I'm done. I'm closing. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in here, and you, you, you don't got it all together. Maybe there's death in your life. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, you've, you've worshipped idols for a long time, and those, they're, they're, all you can see is death. All you can smell is death. All you can feel is death. All you can touch seems to be death. And, and you don't know if there is hope for your life. There's death all around you. Let's go back to the story of Jesus. We talked about the story where the scripture we read was about. Jesus um, going to the cross. And he does, he goes to the cross and he dies, he gets. He gets executed by the worst. Possible way, and he was executed by a, a, a Roman. Government who were experts in torture and murder. They were experts in it. Go talk to any historical scholar. They'll tell you they knew how to keep him alive long enough to torture him as long as they possibly could before they killed him. And he died and was murdered and tortured and executed for a crime he did not commit. Then you see his disciples scatter, the ones who promised to be around him forever. Anybody ever have that happen? In your worst moment, the time you needed him the most, somebody turned their back on you and disappeared. So Jesus knows what that feels like. His disciples leave him. Idol worship has now taken over again, and death is in the air. What's interesting about the time of Jesus is that it's this time now. And for many of us, we have dead things in our life. And I like what Mark chapter 16 says. This is after Jesus is dead. It says this. It says, "When the Sabbath was over, I want you to hear me, okay, death has won. And then Mark chapter 16 happens. He said, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the Mary, the mother of Jesus and Salome brought spices so that they might go do anoint Jesus's body And very early on the first day of the week. That sounds familiar, like kind of like Sunday. Uh, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll the stone away for the entrance in the tomb. This is what we do. Human nature is something's dead. I need to use my understanding to bring it back to life to fix it. You're trying to fix it. That's what we all do. Verse 4. But when they looked up, that's so good. They saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away as they entered the tomb. They saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they say, We're alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. So you and I enter into death, being scared, anxiety ridden, worrisome, we're alarmed. And the angel says to us, Don't be alarmed. He said, You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. He says, I like what he says. He says, see the place. He said, see. Listen, if you checked out, check back in. Just look at me. If you're watching online. He said, see for yourself. There's a lot of, you thought things were dead in your life. Go, G, go see Jesus yourself. I know that you've, maybe you're in here and you've heard of Jesus through some other person and you have an idea of who Jesus is. I want, can I encourage, will you see Jesus for yourself? Maybe there was a pastor or a church that hurt you and you felt like, man, if this is what Jesus is, I don't want anything from it. Can you see Jesus for yourself? Maybe Satan has spoken to you on behalf of Jesus. And he's saying, you don't trust him. You don't walk out That you Look what they're going to do. You're, and he's put all this fear and anxiety and worry in you. Can you go see Jesus for yourself? Because when you go see Jesus, you'll realize that he's not dead, that he's alive. And here's the cool part. Here's the great part. Is that not only did his resurrection bring us eternal life. Let's go back to the beginning. Remember, the gospel is not only that you get heaven one day. The gospel is that you get heaven Today. In that, so that all the things that were done in your life. Listen, if you had a dead. Uh, financial crisis, God can bring it back to life. If you have a dead health thing in your life and something inside of your body just can't seem to get get together, the risen King can bring it back to life. You might have a marriage right now that's on the rocks, and this could be the last thing that you thought. And you said, God, if you don't just show up in my marriage, because this thing is dead, it's lifeless, the stone has been rolled over it. And honestly, this this is the Hail Mary moment where I'm just asking you for a miracle. You need to realize, and understand there's an angel sitting right next to you saying go see it for yourself Here's what's so cool. What he's saying to you, he's saying Jesus is in the miracle business and he loves to do this and it's what he does and he likes to show off and he likes to show you that when you thought things were dead, it can come back to life where people look at you and go, I thought that wasn't going to work out and you go, I did too. Jesus seems to have other things and other plans. My anxiety was supposed to take over. Anybody been fearful lately? Anybody? Come on. Don't be lying in church. Y'all is Easter. You can't lie on Easter. Okay, y'all been okay. So let's just consider we're all been afraid. And Jesus shows up and he says. I win. Uh, Second, Timothy, and now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing Christ Jesus, our savior. He broke the power of death. We have an Easter theme today is death defeated. Satan thought he won, and Jesus shows up and he says, "Scratch that, reverse it. You lost. Right. Yeah. And if Jesus wins, come on, if Jesus wins, we win. I like what that scripture says. Look up, everybody. Just, yeah. Look up. You win. You win. We cl- close your eyes in here. Everybody, just cl- just close your eyes. Take a breath. You win." Take a breath. Take a deep breath. You win. You win. Satan loses. Demons flee. Satan cannot have authority in your life. Satan cannot speak to you and win any longer. The chains have come off. The stone has rolled away. Death has been defeated. Death no longer has a place. Death no longer has authority. If he beat death, then what can come against you? In this world, you win because Jesus wins. That's my prayer for you today.